Alright, if you have your Bibles, let's go to James chapter 1 this evening. James chapter 1. And um, our series tonight, and you know, it's one of those things that you know, the Lord began to speak to me um, about, it's, it's been months ago now, I'm going to say right at the, maybe right before you know, the, the, the pandemic, um, but you know, definitely you know, a lot of mornings where I didn't have my early classes and things that I would get up and just, you know, get with the Lord and get on, you know, my computer, laptop, what have you. And, and uh, so I've got lots and lots and lots of notes um, on this subject. But it's kind of one of those things that I, you know, it's like, I wonder why I never thought of it this way before because it, it really is a, a simple approach. But um, to me, it's, it's really cleared up some things and and it has to do with just simply looking at um, our faith on trial in the same way that we would look at an, an, an earthly you know physical trial a criminal trial or a a civil trial uh, when we talk about the trial of our faith the trying of our faith our faith being put on trial and um, so before, I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and do this and we'll come back to that. James uh, chapter 1 verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing, trying, proving of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So one of the things the Lord spoke to us on last Wednesday, I want to just put it back on the screen tonight. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some kind of pieces and you know, get several things up on the table, uh, and then we're going to start assembling those things. So let me just kind of put some of these pieces out there for you at first. Um, first of all, the Lord spoke this to my heart last Wednesday. He said, you cannot move the mountain as long as the mountain can move you. You cannot move the mountain as long as the mountain can move you. And so our faith will push mountains, obstacles, things blocking our, our paths. Our faith will push mountains into the sea. It will move them completely out of our way. But what a lot of people don't understand is that sometimes when you go to push that mountain with faith, that mountain pushes back. And it's when the mountain pushes back that people don't know what to do. They're not ready for that trial. When when circumstances and situations, and ultimately the enemies behind it all, um, hauls your faith into the courtroom of life, um, they're not really prepared for that. Um, I was I was thinking about this as well, and you know, the title of this series is "Ready for Trial." This is part five, and I don't know if you've ever watched. You know, I, uh, my parents watched Perry Mason uh, back in the day. Um, I remember uh, Matlock. Um, Andy Griffith, uh, you know, played that. So I've always kind of been a sucker for a good courtroom drama. Um, lots of reasons. One, because they're usually good storylines, but um, I like the way people put together arguments and make a case. Um, a lot of what I do in, in preaching and in, in ministry, uh, what I do in writing, um, you know, is, is you know, putting together, when I say argument, I'm, you know, systematically thinking through things and being able to present it. And so 
anyway, for whatever reason, I've always appreciated a good courtroom drama. And from time to time, if you've ever seen this, and I can't really think of a, a specific situation off the top of my head, but if you, have you ever seen somebody take the witness stand and they were in the right, they were innocent, they, you know, what, what have you, but the, um, the attorney just, you know, just ripped them up one side and down the other. You know, they had that deer in the headlights look as that attorney just began to bombard them with questions and, and, and trying to ask them questions to confuse them and ask them questions that, you know, now, you know, they said one thing and then he says, well, if you said that, then this. And, and, and just that cross-examination um, where, you know, just literally makes a person who is, at the end of the day, they're in the right, but it, you know, just makes them look, you know, guilty and so forth and so on. Well, that's, that's how the enemy uh, wants to do you and me. Um, when we take a stand on our faith and, and, and we make a plea and make a confession, um, he wants to try to oppose you, challenge you, contradict you, defy you uh, with all kinds of questions and circumstances and statistics and I even like forensics. I mean, to show you how far you know, I've carried this thing, forensic is, is just the science behind the evidence and things of this nature. And certainly the, the enemy loves when he can present science to you and statistics to you and, and how rare and, and percentages, how few people ever recover and so forth and so on. Because he's trying to just bombard you and overwhelm you uh, to ultimately uh, disprove to you in your mind and in your heart the confession that you've made and the stand that you've taken. So the Bible tells us you know, to fight the good fight of faith and to hold fast our confession. So let's, let's put a few more things on it. So when, it, when we say you cannot move the mountain as long as the mountain can move you, as we grow from faith to faith, as we increase in faith, as the Bible says you can pray in the Spirit and build yourself up in faith. Uh, it's something on the inside of you. It's something in your heart. It's not in your head. It's more than, than, than intellect. It's, it's much, much more than, than just you know, determination and, and, uh, and, and these kinds of... Determination is part of it, but it's, 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 it's something that goes beyond the physical senses and physical abilities that a person has. Faith is something inward. It's a function of the heart. That's why praying in the Spirit, fellowshipping with God, spending time in the Word, it helps build and strengthen your faith. And so the stronger you are in faith, um, the, the more ability you have to continue to stand when the mountain pushes back. But you can't move the mountain as long as the mountain can move you. But, but guess what? If the mountain can't move you, the mountain will move. If the mountain can't move you, the mountain then um, will have to move. Let me give you another passage tonight. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed from the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. To hold fast to something uh, you know, paints this picture of it being you know, somebody trying to take it away from you. 
You know, if, 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 I, if I've got this and somebody's trying to pull this Bible out of my hand, then I want to hold it fast so that whoever's trying to take it from me cannot. So when he tells us to hold fast our confession, um, if there was no force trying to pull that confession from you or, or, or get you to, to, to turn loose of it, then we wouldn't have to hold on to it tightly and fastly. We have to hold fast our confession because again, we have an adversary, he's a source of our adversity, and he's trying to, to slap that confession, push us off of, bully us off of that confession. Um, we won't turn there, I'll just put it up on the screen. Again, I'm just trying to, to, to show you the different players here. Revelation 12.10 identifies Satan uh, is the accuser of the brethren. He is the accuser of the brethren. So if we're going to look at our faith on trial, we have to understand that it's not God trying our faith. It's not Father trying our faith. Satan is the accuser or the prosecutor. He, he is the one who is trying to bring accusation. He is the one who is, is trying to steal the word. He's the one that's trying to get us to back down from our confession rather than holding fast to it. Now, one other thing about holding fast our confession, the word uh, confess, it's a simple word. Uh, it means to say the same as. To confess means to say the same as. So, when we confess the word, we're saying the same as what God says about our lives. When we confess what God says, we're bringing ourselves into agreement, into alignment with Him. And this, of course, is faith. Faith is when we align our thoughts, words, and actions with what the Word of God says to be true about our lives, about our situation, if it's something in your, in your finances, something in your family, something in your physical health. The Bible has plenty to say about these things. And so, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, but if we never release that faith, so confessing, a faith confession, is, is when we confess what the Word says. We say that the same as the Word, and that what the Word says is what's true about me. So, for instance, 1 Peter 2.24 says, By His stripes you were healed. That means physical healing in your body. So to make a faith confession would be to say the same as what the Word of God says about your situation. So let's say your knee is hurting you, causing you pain, but the Word of God says, God says your knee is healed. So to make a faith confession would be to release your faith, believing that you receive healing for your, for your leg by confessing what the Word of God says. Now, the enemy is going to try to get you to back down from that confession. He's going to push back against that. And that's what we mean by challenging uh, different words we've used, contradicting, uh, defying your faith. This is, this is what we talk about, what we mean by our faith being put on trial and being ready uh, for that trial when, not if, but when it comes. Now, I want to present some things to you tonight that are probably obvious, no-brainers, but I think just for the sake of our study, uh, some terminology, 
you know, just kind of how things are, are, are laid out. Uh, but in light of uh, not a civil or criminal trial, uh, but in light of the trial of your faith. The reality of it is this. The trial of your faith is, is about the same basic thing any civil court, any civil trial or criminal trial is about. It's either th- those trials are held to either prove or disprove a position. Okay. Now, think about it. If someone is accused of a crime and they confess to that crime... This means that they're saying the same thing as what they're accused of. So the prosecution is saying that you did it, and you're agreeing with them and saying that you did it. Guess what? There's no trial there. There's not a trial when there's a confession. In other words, when both sides agree, when the prosecution and the defense are both saying the same thing, both in agreement with one another, there's no trial. The matter is settled. It, it, you know, If it's something criminal... Uh, then you know the, it's going to go before a judge for sentencing and, and these kinds of things. But the 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 dispute, if you will, the the contradiction uh, doesn't exist if both parties are saying the same as. When the trial is required, when it when it has to go to court, it's it's when the prosecution says one thing and the defense says another. It's when the accuser says. This is how it is, and, and the defense says, no, that's not how it is at all. And so there, there is the disagreement, uh, and so the, the trial is held uh, because one side is trying to prove themselves right, uh, uh, and, and, the, and, and the, other trials, the other side is trying to prove themselves right, so one side is trying to, to, to prove their case, uh, while at the same time disproving the other side and vice versa. Now again, that, that may be very simple and very basic, but I'm asking you to think about it in terms of when your faith is put on trial. Because as long as you're saying about yourself what the devil is saying about yourself, there won't be any trial. There'll just be consequences, but there won't be any trial. It's, it, the trial comes you know, when the devil says uh, you, you know, your, your knee... Uh, you know, need surgery or what have you, and, and you say, by His stripes I was healed, if I was healed I am healed. Notice now, you're saying the same not as, as what your accuser is saying, what the prosecution is saying, you're saying what, what, what the Word of God says. And so now there's a conflict, and, and this, this is where the fight, fight the good fight of faith, this is, this is where the simple battle lines of a, of a faith fight um, is concern. So the trial occurs to settle the dispute and is therefore only necessary when the two sides agree. If the accused confesses and pleads guilty, this means they agree with the accuser and there is no trial. Now, there's another aspect of this that I'm really, I've been, I've been praying for you and for me this afternoon. One, praying for me that I can explain this the way it's in my heart. And number two, and this is the most important part, is that the Holy Spirit will help us all lay hold of this. Because this, this is a key piece, once again, where I think a lot of people uh, 
are, are, are missing out. Uh, let's just say it this way. They're losing their case. They're, they're, their faith is being put on trial. And rather than them uh, enduring that trial and laying hold uh, through faith and endurance uh, of, of what belongs to them uh, and what's been given to them by God, they're not ready for trial. And when the pressure of that trial comes, they're, they're, uh, they're backing away from their faith confession and starting to talk more like the accuser in, instead of uh, what the Word of God says about them and their situation. Now, last week, let me just mention this, and I, I don't know how many weeks in a row we'll do this. The Lord will show us to be led by the Spirit. But one of the things we looked at last week, and we said this is another uh, key area where, where people are, 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 are losing uh, trials of faith, um, and, and it has to do with, let's go back to the knee example. We used some different examples last week. But you confess that you're healed, and, and the enemy tricks you into looking to the pain in your knee for proof that you're healed. The proof is not in the, the, the joint of your body, the Bible says that faith is the proof of your healing. So, so notice now, any prosecutor is, is going to, uh, you know, if you say, I wasn't even at the scene of that crime. Well, he's going to say, prove that. Right? He, he, he wants you to bring, uh, you know, some evidence, you know, that, that lines up with your side, to prove your side. While at the same time, he's trying to prove uh, a case against you and disprove your confession how you've pled. So, you know, again, the plea, the confession, you've, you've pled not guilty. You've pled, you know, I didn't do that. Well, he's the prosecutor, the, the accuser, Satan is the accuser, he's going to try to disprove that. He's going to try to contradict that. And it's one of the, one of the real simple ways that he confuses people on the witness stand, so to speak, when he demands proof. Because that's when you challenge a situation, you should challenge a confession. Uh, he, he, you know, one of the first, that's, what it, that's what you do when you challenge it. You say, oh, oh, so you're telling me your knee's healed. Prove that your knee's healed. And so we start, you know, moving our knee. Oh, it's hurting. Right? So now what has he done? If you're not careful, he has, he has created doubt in your own mind. You don't, listen to me, please. The, the, the proof that you're healed is not in the joint. The proof that you're healed is in your faith. That's, if, you, if you let Him pull that trick on you, right? You know, what was it? If, if the glove doesn't fit, you must have quit. How, here, here's an old Matlock, Perry Mason trick, right? It's somebody's on trial for murder and they've never found the body. Okay? And so, uh, the defense says something like, um, I'm going to prove to you that this person didn't commit the murder because the person they're accused of murdering is alive and well and they're fixing to walk in the back door of the court, right? And, and you know, trying to get everybody to look. And of course, when the, uh, when the defendant doesn't look, it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, maybe they did kill this person after all. But it's, it's, it's that kind of uh, rookie mistake that so many people make and the devil just wins time and time again when he tries to get you to look to the numbers, to, the, to, to what the doctor says, to, 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 to what the uh, scan says. To, you know, obviously, amen, 
when you lay hold and possess healing, the, the knee will quit hurting. The, the numbers will change. But you, you don't go to the numbers in the trial uh, to try to prove that you're healed. The, the evidence, the proof, the title deed is what the Amplified Version says, is your faith. Faith is the evidence. Faith is the title deed. If, let's, 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 say, let's say it this way. How about somebody says, just out of the blue, they, they say that, that you took their car and that your car is actually their car or that you took their house, that, that the property that you live on and, 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 and cut the grass and all this other stuff, all of a sudden somebody decides that, that you took it from them and that it's, that it's theirs, right? How do you prove that the car is yours? How do you prove that the property is yours? You prove it by the title. You prove it by the deed. And that's what the Amplified Version says of Hebrews 11.1, 1, that faith is the title. Faith is the deed. Amen. You don't just say, well, it's mine because you know I've, I've, I've driven that car. This. No, no. I've got the title to it. And so it doesn't matter what else they say about they had one just like it and the, all these lame arguments. If you've got the title, it's yours. And so that's faith. Faith is the title to your healing. Faith is, 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 is the deed uh, to, to your prosperity. And when the devil tries to tell you that you're not healed, and the devil tries to tell you that you're not prosperous, and the devil tries to tell you that you're not free, show him the title deed of faith that says you are. Don't point to your circumstances. It, the circumstantial evidence is, is how... He uh, creates doubt in people's minds. Oh, praise God. All right. So, <clears throat> this is another one of those reasons. This is another one of those reasons, areas, mistakes, rookie mistakes that people make. All right. And we're talking about instead of winning the trial and winning and, and, and walking in the victory, far too many lose the trial because they agree with the prosecution before the trial ever starts. They agree with the accuser, they agree with the prosecution before the trial ever starts. Now, we have um, a, a principle uh, in our court system here in the United States, and the principle simply says this, innocent until proven guilty. Innocent until proven guilty. Now, because our court system operates from this position, innocent until proven guilty, this means that the burden of proof belongs to the accuser. Stay with me now, we're going somewhere. The burden of proof belongs to the accuser. The burden of proof belongs to the accuser. So if the prosecution brings a case against you and accuses you of something, the court considers you innocent unless the accuser can bring a case that proves beyond a reasonable doubt that you're guilty. Are you seeing this, right? Oh, sweet Jesus. So the burden of proof belongs to the accuser. The enemy never wants you to understand this when your faith is on trial. 
He wants to, he's trying to put you in this position to make you feel like you've got to prove this. And so again, people make the mistake of... My mother used to use an expression in, in different ways, like first day of school, this sort of thing. She would say, you've got to get off on the right foot. You've got to get off on the right foot. Um, if you've ever watched a... Uh, uh, football season is upon us, right? If you've ever watched uh, a field goal kicker field, kick a field goal, he'll, he'll get up by the, by the ball and then he'll take his steps backward and he'll take a step to the side and he knows that, that he's got to have one foot that plants and the other foot that swings through and kicks the ball. Well, when he takes those steps towards that ball, it's all about timing. He's got to start with the right foot so that when he gets to the ball, the foot that kicks the ball actually kicks it, and the one that plants actually plants in the right spot. So when we say getting off on the right foot, many people are defeated when their faith is put on trial because they get off on the wrong foot. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Well, thank you, Jesus. Let me get back up here in my notes, all right? Let's, let's, let's just let's take our time. We've got a few more minutes. Everybody good? Okay. You are not the guilty trying to prove your innocence. In a court of law here in the United States of America, you are the innocent. In other words, the right foot is you have pled not guilty, you have declared your innocence, and you are approaching that trial from the position of being innocent, and now you have an adversary that is trying to prove otherwise against you. So in this scenario, you're not there to prove your innocence, you're there to defend yourself and have an answer for the case that the accuser brings against you. Now watch this please. There is a huge difference between believing you are sick, trying to prove you are healed, versus believing you are healed and fighting against any effort to convince you otherwise. When I say most people fail because they begin the trial agreeing with their prosecution, most people see themselves as being sick and faith is their effort to try to prove that they're healed. My friend, that is wrong. Faith says you're healed no matter what the symptoms say, no matter what the report says, no matter what the doctor says, the Word of God says you're healed. And you begin the trial of your faith from that position. I am the healed because the devil knows. Listen to me please. The devil knows this and we need to understand this. The devil knows that unless he can convince you you're sick, he can't keep you sick. Unless he can convince you and get you to agree with him and believe what he's trying to get you to believe to the point that you say the same as what he's saying. He knows that unless he can get you in that place, he can't keep symptoms in your body. He can't keep sickness in your body. But notice now, again, I'm trying to show you where a lot of people get off on the wrong foot when their faith is put on trial. They go into the trial believing that they're sick, 
hoping that through the trial they can prove to themselves and whoever it needs to be proven to that they're healed. My friend, that is wrong. You are the healed unless and until you're proven sick, you're the healed. Sweet Jesus. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Let me get, let me get a couple of other things in here, all right? Because I, I, I know that, and I don't have a problem with this, but you know, different people, Carmen and different ones, they've, they've used this courtroom scenario before to make points in sermons. And, and in this description, we see that the devil's the accuser and, and that God is the judge. Um, that, that's, that's not what I'm saying here. I mean, God is the judge. Listen to me, please. He's already ruled in your case. He's already ruled in your favor. He's already banged His hammer on the desk and declared you prosperous. He's already banged the hammer on the desk and, and declared you free. And declared you righteous. And declared you healed. This, this isn't a, about you convincing God to heal you and the devil convincing God not to heal you. As a matter of fact, listen to me please, and I don't want to confuse you on all this, but if there's a trial, there's a jury. And the jury, when it comes to the trial of your faith, the jury, because again, the judge has already spoken, the jury is your own heart. Again, in a, in a criminal or civil case, You've got two sides in opposition to one another. One side accusing the other. The other side defending themselves against that accusation. But then you have a jury who's listening to it all. And, and when all the arguments are made, the jury comes to a verdict. The jury reaches a decision. When it comes to the trial of your faith, Satan is speaking to the jury. And the jury that he's trying to convince, the jury that he's trying to sway, the jury that he's trying to get to agree with him is not strangers sitting in seats over to the side. It's your own heart. He's trying to get you to agree with him in your heart. Your heart is the jury. You see, there are a lot of folks who believe they're sick. They're trying to prove themselves healed. And it's like being guilty trying to prove yourself innocent. They believe they're weak. Trying to prove themselves strong in the courtroom of faith. Court, faith's been called into court. And again, it's, it's no different than believing you're guilty. Notice, notice here. I believe I'm sick, but I'm that's wrong foot. Wrong foot. If you believe you're sick, you've already agreed with the prosecution. He's saying you're sick, you believe you're sick. See again, it's it's so subtle. Believing you're sick, trying to prove yourself healed is like believing you're guilty, trying to prove yourself innocent. Believing you're weak. Trying to prove yourself strong is like believing you're guilty. Trying to prove yourself innocent. Believing you're poor. Trying to prove yourself rich is like believing you're guilty. Trying to prove yourself innocent. And we could go on 
and on and on. This is the position of faith that we need to take. I'm healed until proven sick. I'm strong until proven weak. Why do you think the Bible says, let the weak man say, I'm strong? The accuser is saying you're weak. The accuser is saying you're helpless. The accuser is saying that you can't do anything to change the situations that you're dealing with in your life and in your family. He's accusing you of being helpless. He's declaring that, that you are a loser. My friend, you are a winner until proven in the courtroom of faith, right, that you're a loser. Okay? So notice now, I, I'm, I'm not trying to offend anyone. I'm just trying to show you what's really going on here. Because you take that position that, that, that I am rich. Let the rich, let the poor man say I'm rich. I'm rich until proven poor. <laughs> See, now a lot of people, and I can just imagine some of you out there laughing. Oh, well, just look at my checking account, Pastor Mark. There's the proof. See, there you go. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the blessing of Abraham is on you. And, and the blessing of the Lord upon a man makes him rich and he adds no sorrow with it. See, you say, well, I think I'm going to start believing God for some finances. Believe away, my friend, but be ready for trial. Be ready for trial because the devil's going to point to everything. He's even going, you know, don't be surprised you start confessing, you know, financial prosperity over your life and some bills you didn't know you owed come in and some taxes you didn't know weren't paid come in. It's just the way the devil works. He's trying to convince you that you're not. The devil knows that you're rich. The devil knows that you're healed. The devil knows that you're free. The devil knows that you're strong. The devil knows that you're righteous. The devil knows that you're a winner. He's just trying to convince you that you're not. He's trying to appeal to the jury of your heart to get you to say the same as he says against you and agree with him and believe him over God. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to put the brakes on right there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you've given to us. Father, you, you've already ruled in our case. You've already ruled in our favor. All the promises of God are yes and amen. If we ask the judge, Judge, what do you say about my healing? You'll say, yes and amen. Yes, you're healed and so be it. So Father, help us tonight to understand. A simple illustration, Father. Forgive me if I, if I complicated it. because it's, it's simple. It's simple. But Lord, I think if we'll take this and, and begin to Consider it in light of how the enemy tries to work against us to pull us into doubt and, and, and pull us into failure. Father, it'll, it'll help us. And, and So Father, we're not the sick trying to get healed. We are the healed of the Lord. And we're ready for trial when the enemy brings accusation against us. We respond with the full armor of God and the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith quenching every false accusation He would bring. 
And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Aren't you be blessed? Thank you so much for being with us this evening. Um, tell somebody around you good things coming. Uh, tell somebody at work tomorrow good things coming. Um, say it enough to where people start saying, you know, uh, uh, Freddie always says good things coming. In other words, let the, you know, let, let people be known for that, right? <laughs> and then people start asking you why, and they give you a perfect opportunity to tell them about how good Jesus is. Amen. You have a great rest of your week. We'll see you Sunday morning, 1030, uh, in person and live stream. And uh, you have a blessed rest of your week. Amen.